Welcome to Nerds at Church, a podcast about nerdery and the Bible. I'm Pastor Kay, and I use pronouns like she and her. And I'm Pastor Emily, and my pronouns are they, them, theirs. In this episode, we'll discuss the 12th Sunday after Pentecost, also known as Proper 17 or Lectionary 22, which this year falls on August 28th. We have two content notifications for this episode. We talk about incels and abuse when discussing the deep dive, and we talk about ableism in the gospel reading. Check out the episode description for links to the Bible passages and other references we make in this episode. So, for today's episode, because of an ongoing thread about this in all of our readings today, uh, we're going to be talking about modesty, humility, and meekness, uh, all topics mm. that many of us shy away from in the Bible because a lot of Bible verses have been misused and frankly aimed directly at people around these topics. But what the Bible actually says and what people like to say the Bible says in this case, as in so many, are two very different things. Indeed. So let's start by talking about modesty. What is the Bible talking about when the Bible is talking about modesty? You may be somewhat surprised to know that the Bible is not actually all that big on like talking about specifically women covering certain parts of their bodies. That's not really a thing the Bible goes into a lot. It's true. Not only is it not about outfits and appearance, but there's actual biblical pushback against that yes. sort of argument with a shout out to especially Matthew chapter 5. You could look at the whole passage of 27 through 30, but also specifically verse 29, in which Jesus says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. So, so if a person is looking at another person in a way that does not honor their whole self and their status as a beloved child of God created in the image of God, whose fault is that? The person that they're looking at or themselves? Hmm. Themselves. Yeah. There's a great middle school-ish book called Dress Coded by Carrie Firestone, which really gets into this. The main character starts a podcast called Dress Coded because all of the girls at her middle school, when they hit a certain point of in puberty, just get dress coded all the time. And it really points to the ways that while trying to protect, note the air quotes, boys' ability to access education and that sort of a thing, they actually significantly disrupt and harm girls' access to education by dress coding them and taking them out of class all the time. Yeah. I don't know if this is an unusual experience, but I don't remember that happening a lot at my school. To be entirely honest, I went to middle and high school during that era when it was very fashionable for guys' pants to be very loose-fitting, and therefore <laughs> the guys actually got dress-coded on a semi-regular basis because we could see parts of their undergarments that we weren't supposed to. But the girls really didn't that often. Now, to be fair, during those years of the late 90s, loose-fitting t-shirts were pretty popular anyway, so maybe it was just the style at the time. Yeah, we had a dress code in my middle school, but the biggest thing I remember about the dress code is that we had to have our shirts tucked in, and the lengths in which... I went to a charter school, so it was a little bit different, but like I distinctly remember the like folding the shirt under so it looked like it was tucked in but it wasn't i don't know why that was such a big deal for us but i think it did help with the baggy pants situation though if your shirt Very has possible. to be tucked into your pants yeah then you're not going to see anything anyway yeah but again that's not what biblical modesty is all about at all right no it is in fact more about money and showing off wealth so the push towards modesty is to say please don't show off your wealth. Please don't make a big show of how wealthy you are and that sort of a thing. So basically, it's talking about every awards show ever. <laughs> well, I think specifically when the Bible talks about modesty, it's often talking about modesty at church, at worship, mm -hmm. or at synagogue, I suppose. Two of the verses that I found that are about this are 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, uh, in which... 
the author says also that the women should dress themselves modestly and decently in suitable clothing not with their hair braided or with gold pearls or expensive clothes and when they say hair braided in this particular case i would think that they meant like super complicated braided hair if any of you have heard of the uh, hairstylist who has looked at historical documents and tried to recreate historical hairstyles from the Roman times Ooh. of actually sewing the hair together to, in order to create the braids and the patterns uh, that they had back then. She is super interesting. And I think she has a YouTube channel. She actually got a paper published on being the first person to figure out how the Romans actually made these hairstyles because they act, used a, a fairly blunt needle, like a tapestry needle and thread, uh, to sew the the pieces of hair together temporarily uh, in order to make the hairstyles. Huh. It was really interesting in academic circles for a while because this was one of those cases where someone who actually knows what they're doing about a practical thing knows way more than these super educated historians <laughs> because obviously the super educated historians have probably never, you know, put together a fancy hairstyle in their life. Gotcha. It's not Janet Stevens, is it? I think it is Janet Stevens, yes. We'll put a link to Janet Stevens' YouTube channel in the episode description so that you can check it out. Sure. And of course, if you have to sew your hair together or have someone else do it, and in many of these cases she realized that another person would have to sew these hairstyles together because you can't, you know, have that kind of control when you're dealing with stuff behind your head. In order to do that, you have to spend a fair amount of time and effort and also like someone else's time and effort on your hair. And if you can do that, that means you're super rich in this culture. Yep. And so it's a way of showing off your wealth. And much like that in First Peter chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Do not adorn yourselves outwardly by braiding your hair and by wearing gold ornaments or fine clothing. That is not what going to church is about. <laughs> That, that is not why we go to church. That is not part of being a good Christian community. There is a difference between some people are very big on you dress nicely to go to church out of a sign of respect for God. You can do that without showing off how much money you've got. You know, mm -hmm. it, you can dress neatly in clean clothes without being showy about it. However, I would point out that when you Google for a list of Bible verses about modesty, <laughs> You will probably find that most of the verses in that list do not actually use the word modesty. Most of the verses in that list don't even use words that have been like translated away from a Greek or a Hebrew word that originally meant modesty. Instead, they will mostly be about telling women what to do and women not showing off their body. But that just means that modern people are the ones who assembled those lists. Yep, not actually contextual and that's like part yeah. of this too is when we look at maybe both first timothy and first peter right we talked about this in our paul episode in easter this year that not all of them are written by paul right and the ones that are less likely to be written by paul are the ones that are more likely to have things that are easily interpreted in harmful ways yes with respect to women in particular and frankly, just come off as super preachy and judgy. Like, yep. I kind of hate using the word preachy that way because preaching is part of what I do, but what? you guys know what I mean. So Yeah, right. So that's kind of a good wrap up for modesty. Then we come to humbleness or humility. I prefer humbleness because humility and humiliation are, to me, totally different things. But humility has sure. this like double meaning. So it can be more akin to humbleness. Right. One of the verses that comes up for that as we kind of tease out what it means, is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, where the author writes, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. So all of these things are similar to humbleness. And, of course, a great example for this is the tortoise and the hare, a much-loved or at least very well-known story of a humble tortoise who just keeps going with gentleness and patience and the hair like zooms off and is like super haughty and yes and for a pop culture reference for that i immediately think of in friendship is magic the my little pony series mm -hmm. rainbow dash the very very fast pegasus pony has a contest at one point to choose her pet and she winds up with the pet of a, a tortoise who is very, very slow and not very cool looking and not very exciting, but he's also very loyal and she comes to care about him a lot. Mm -hmm. 
and eventually she also gets him a beanie with a little propeller on top and that helps him fly (laughs) (laughs) which is pretty fabulous but he's still not very fast for me that's adorable that's adorable is just more evidence so cute that rainbow dash is amazing and wonderful absolutely yes and then also uh, in First Peter chapter 5, verse 5, which also quotes another verse from James chapter 4, verse 10. That's weird. Yeah, I only discovered that because I was going through a list of Bible verses about humility, and I came upon James chapter 4, verse 10, and then the next verse was First Peter 5, 5, quoting the previous verse, which was pretty interesting. Yeah, it's also fascinating because James and First Peter are both part of the New Testament. Right. And so this might give us a hint about which one was written first, or that they were written by the same person, or that somebody, like, added something later. Who knows? But Yeah, something lots happened. Lots of options. Yes. But that says, in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you must clothe yourselves with humility in your dealings with one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So there's a couple things going on here. Uh-huh. God opposing the proud, that theme shows up over and over again throughout the Bible, uh, Hebrew scriptures and New Testament. And mm-hmm. I always immediately think of the scriptures for Ash Wednesday and, and the bit about not, you know, putting yourself forward and making a big show out of praying. Mm-hmm. Hypocrisy, bad. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. But there's also this whole accepting the authority of the elders. And for that one, I would point out that Some elders are going to be out to, you know, abuse and misuse younger people, Mm -hmm. but that's not all of them. And also Mm -hmm. there is a fairly decent chance at any given time that someone who is, say, like 40, 45 years old knows more and different things about life and how the world works than someone who is 21 years old. Now, are they going to be, you know, wise and brilliant? Not necessarily, no. But they may have useful information to offer. And also, I feel like the world could use a little more emphasis on the concept that not all adults are completely useless and just out to stop children from being helpful or awesome, no matter what your childhood hero stories told you. (laughs) Like, the older I get... (laughs) the more frustrated I get with those stories. Because when I was a kid, I loved the idea of the kid being able to do all the things. And now that I'm an adult, I think to myself, you want a 12-year-old to do what? Excuse (laughs) me? And that's not okay. And that's also abusing the 12-year-old. So, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think this this is something that is important for us to tease out. Because right now, there are a lot of adults who in the name of protecting children are actually causing significant harm. Doing horrible things. Right. Yes. And some of these people are 80 and old enough to know better. Mm -hmm. With book bannings, with trying to stop people from accessing health care, especially gender affirming health care for trans people. All of this is not what the author is talking about here. Right. That's not the kind of authority of the elders that we're talking about. We're talking about more along the lines of, the Order of the Phoenix supporting Dumbledore's army and setting sure. good examples, ideally. Yeah. Or, like, you know, if you're thinking about doing something with your home and somebody mentions a county ordinance to you and they have also been living there for 20 years and you just got there, maybe look it up. I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, or, you know, all those times that I love talking about tree law and how tree law is exciting and wonderful on the internet. <laughs> uh, because That's because people are out there doing incredibly ignorant and foolish things because they didn't bother to ask anybody and they don't know anything about trees. Also, this so. is your, like, one notification that there are laws about trees and wood and those sorts of things. Yes, and be nice to trees, and mm-hmm. you will probably not, you know, wind up hundreds of thousand dollars in debt. Yeah, so. my favorite example of the wisdom of elders is, I don't own a house, but if I ever do own a house and I ever need to, like, do anything to it, I will immediately ask my dad, because he's a civil engineer, so he can sure, like, absolutely. tell me all the things. And, like, I am also one of those people who says, by all means, go to YouTube and find yourself a tutorial, but maybe try a couple of them from different places before you start in on something and like look at the ones that a lot of people have gone back and said, I really appreciated this. This was really helpful. And yes, I actually did this process rather than the ones that just happen to get a lot of views. Yeah, so it's true. Yeah. And also don't discount children. This is not an excuse oh, yeah. to discount no. children because they got some wisdom. 
Absolutely. By all means, uh, please, for the love of God, literally, <laughs> when it comes to children's instincts about who to trust, listen to that. They are right remarkably mm -hmm. often because they haven't been yelled into submission yet. <laughs> it's true. So They have not been tricked into not trusting themselves in their gut. Yeah. Another verse that's helpful in thinking about humbleness is Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2. We read, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but wisdom is with the humble. So fun fact, there are actually two different words for pride, and they have kind of different meanings. In Hebrew? In Hebrew. In Hebrew, sorry. Like there are lots of words for pride in English. <laughs> it's true. We believe in having lots of words for everything. It's true, but it's... Except snow. It's There are plenty of words for snow. Don't even. There's flurries, there's hail, there's blizzard. Yeah, I'm saying that there are languages that have more words for snow than oh, we do. Oh, it's true. There are languages that have more, but we do have quite a few, especially if you come from Colorado. Anyway, so the two Hebrew words for pride, particularly important because Hebrew actually does not have that many words. So when there are two words, there's there's something going on there. Sure. And so I was looking for stuff on this and... Chaim Ben Torah, which we'll link to the actual article itself, did a word study on this. And so I'll just read what she wrote. You can either become a gaon, pride, taking yourself too seriously, thinking you are just so all important because you have that title of manager or supervisor to your name and expecting people to treat you according to the status you think you deserve, or you can be gaba and use that status that you really do have to your own advantage rather than as a service for which that status was entrusted to you. So there's a like thinking of yourself more highly than you ought. And there's also a understanding your importance and misusing it. So it kind of sounds like this is a lot like the two ways that the English language uses the word noble, because on the one hand, a person who is noble can just mean that they were born in a high-ranking way and they mm -hmm. like have a lot of rights and privileges and money mm -hmm. uh, and they can be super haughty and mean. Or to be noble, to be noble of heart, to have nobleness as part of your character, you can be like a leader should be. You can care for others and use what you have in order to help others and provide as much as you can for those in need. Yeah, I think there are different ways. I think noble and these two words for pride kind of go together in like, yeah, can help inform each other. Because also, one of the things that comes with humbleness is sometimes it's knowing how awesome you are, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not humbleness to deny your awesomeness, because God created you as you and God created you with gifts and skills that you have cultivated. And you can be proud of those things and still be humble. I yeah, frequently joke <laughs> about some of those things and pretend to be humble about them or pretend to be proud about them. But yeah, you are allowed and should, I don't want to should on people, but you are allowed to own your awesomeness. That is never yeah. a thing that God says to deny. Right. And then in Romans chapter 12, verse 16, uh, it says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. That last bit reminds me that I think it's John Scalzi says that the failure mode of clever is, well, the PG-13 rated version of that word is jerk. Um, <laughs> because uh, if you are too clever to the point of failure, you tend to become one. <laughs> and... As far as don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly, that reminds me of when Bruce Banner has to hide from the powerful. Instead of holing up in a bunker in, you know, some isolated <laughs> place, uh, he chooses to go into a, an area crowded by poor people and to help them. Mm -hmm. And because he can be useful there. And also there are plenty of people that will be useful to hide among the crowd from. Yep, It is a brilliant move. I really like Bruce Banner, I think. Yeah. Particularly because he is the Hulk. We'll get into that more. But yeah. the other example that I think is really helpful, like pop culture reference around humbleness, is Black Panther. The ways that the Black Panther, as portrayed by Chadwick Boseman, who also 
very much, I think, embodied what it means to be humble. Yeah. Is like owning the power. The Black Panther is literally the ruler of Wakanda. And yet he is one of the better folks, certainly in the Avengers and Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's one of the better ones at like opening himself to other people at listening to what other people are telling him and seeking out the wisdom of a whole community and not just being like i am going to rule by authoritarian decree right and that bugs some people some people get mad and then when eric killmonger comes in and like decides what that means shows shows what authoritarian can be those people like side with him for a while but ultimately what wins out is the humble leadership of black panther and of chadwick boseman yeah and i do want to take a moment to point out that being humble is not just like having a bad opinion of yourself or thinking that you suck like that is not what humility is about there are certain types of jerks who in the world who like make a big thing out of that and some of them are incels and like incels are never humble that is not a characteristic that's so having bad self-esteem is something you probably want to work on and also like you know maybe try to improve your life because it sounds like that also probably sucks if Mm -hmm. that's where you are Mm -hmm. but that isn't about humility that isn't what being humble is blaming other people for your problems and for how much of a jerk you are is not humble right it's harmful yeah and then finally a word that doesn't really come up that often i think uh, in modern english conversation in my experience oh, nice. uh, but does seem to come up when we talk about the bible is the word meek or meekness mm-hmm. and we would like to start off by saying that being meek uh, or showing meekness is not just a thing that women and children do or should do true in fact jesus says blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth that's in both versions of the beatitudes the matthew version is yes Matthew 5. In my experience, meekness is usually partly about not putting yourself forward, Mm -hmm. but also I've definitely noticed that characters in fiction who are shown to be meek are also part of why they're not like at the front of everything is because they're paying attention to what's going on. Mm. I don't necessarily know that that's supposed to be a characteristic of meekness, but it seems to go along with it pretty well. They probably score really high on perception roles. Yeah, for D&D. Yeah. Yeah. Also, one of the examples on a like large scale for meekness is like, maybe don't go to war, right? Like the folks who can avoid going to war are much more likely to be called meek. And there's a way in which I think the word meek also has not quite fully, but I think has the potential to become one of those like, oh, it's the opposite of masculine. And so you call men meek when you want to like, tell them they're bad right and it has that potential but it's only insofar as toxic masculinity says aggression and violence are the epitome of what it means to be masculine and we know that there's more to masculinity than that and there's a lot more healthy ways to be masculine if that is you know what you're after so you know like snuggling yeah so snuggling is masculine snuggling is very masculine so maybe and feminine if you want to be meek, don't start wars. I mean, also, maybe just don't start wars to begin with. That yeah. Seems yeah. Like- <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe no more wars. Please, please try to avoid that in your daily life. Like, I realize that most of us don't actually have that power. I suppose most of us have the ability to, like, cross a national boundary and then do something violent. But, like, also maybe avoid that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That example from Emily uh, made me think of a Tumblr post that keeps making the rounds in my circles of a king was told that his child would vanquish the evil of their land. And so as soon as the kid came of age, uh, all of the king's generals and, and the military started cracking their knuckles and getting very excited. And instead, the young prince started firming up the infrastructure and empowered the education of and the schools of the land and uh, made sure no one went hungry and like stemmed the corruption of the rich and 40 years later the 
the general came to the king and said, how are you going to vanquish the evil in the land when, you know, you're old and the military has barely done anything for 40 years? And a young person working for the king points out, what evil? Like, mm-hmm. I, I grew up and I went to school and I was never hungry. And that is true for everyone younger than me. And there is no evil in this land because it was destroyed by this person. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, You can destroy evil through back channels, through not putting yourself forward, through not making it about yeah. you. That is, in fact, the only way to destroy evil, right? Like, this is a great, that's, that's the argument for yeah. abolishing police, right? Is if all of the money is going towards military and police and violence and organizations that are geared towards violence and not towards making sure everyone's fed, making sure everyone has access to healthcare and education and those sorts of things, then yeah, you're going to have more evil. But if you can redirect the funds and defund the police in order to fund community support and services, that's the actual way to abolish evil to destroy evil yeah absolutely yeah also i am still working my way through buffy the buffy and angel series and so was talking to susanna about it and willow is one of the characters that kind of embodies meekness and there's this way that she is pretty meek at the beginning of the series but then also like goes through this point where she's like a really really powerful witch and it gets out of control and so there's this sense of like the more power she has the more it takes over her and then when she is able to like get back to herself who is like a meek person she has this power that she had been neglecting and fred in the angel series is a similar like unassuming or meek person and yet she is the scientific hub and knowledge of the entire group and knows like all of those things yeah absolutely And then one of the things that I appreciate about the author Jane Austen is that she is actually very good at writing meek characters. And some of her heroines uh, in her books are known for being charming and witty and like, you know, assertive, uh, like Elizabeth Bennet. That's part of why she's so popular from Pride and Prejudice. Mm -hmm. But some of her characters are very much meek. They sort of exist in the shadows and they don't put themselves forward. Uh, Fanny Price from Mansfield Park is one, and Anne Elliott from Persuasion is another. And for those of you who have heard about the recent production of Persuasion that got panned by a lot of people who really love Jane Austen, I personally have not seen it. I uh, haven't had time. But one of the reasons why so many fans of Jane Austen productions uh, don't really like this new version is because they tried to take Anne and turn her into an Elizabeth Bennet oh. and make her smart and witty and have the quick comebacks and stuff like that. And that's not who Anne mm. is. Anne is very quiet. Anne is meek. Uh, Anne has absolute strong convictions and sticks to them and does Mm -hmm. and is very stubborn about that but she is not the talkative center of attention ever and that's part of what makes her interesting and also part of why those books keep finding people who love them because some people are like that and they deserve to be in fiction too I also thought that there are moments, not all the time, but there are definitely moments uh, in Avatar The Last Airbender when Katara has a certain meekness to her. Especially like as a waterbender, right? Like the yes. the time when she is healing with water. Yeah. About that time where there's, you just have to like let go of so much in order to waterbend and then particularly in order to heal with water. And lest you think that we are complete hypocrites and say things like meekness <laughs> is not just for women and children and then give you only examples of women and children, we also have some men who are meek in really beautiful ways. So yeah, Clark Kent is one of those. Absolutely. Especially the Christopher Reeves version, right? Yes. The original Superman, when he turned into Clark Kent uh, as Christopher Reeves, what did a lovely job of portraying meekness. Uh, he was very good at it right because he's that's his like goofy nerdy character yes and the way that he interacts with Lois Lane is very meek he's interested but he's not pushy and he treats her like a human being first and he doesn't make his interest in her the most important thing in the room ever 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like nerdy boys talking to girls is like the, as long as they're not incels. Yes, yeah, as long as they're not incels, and probably mostly not Big Bang Theory. Another one that I thought of was Peter Parker as Spider Man. Yes, right. What he is very much like a meek, nerdy. Sometimes he gets bullied, and yet he is the one that gets banned by the spider. He is the one that becomes Spider-Man, but he still has that like meekness with Sarah Jane and yeah. Yeah. Mary Jane. Mary Jane. I was like, wait, Sarah Jane sounds. Sarah Jane is Dr. Who. (laughs) Mary Jane with MJ. I mean, Peter Parker and Sarah Jane would have a great time. Don't get me wrong. Like Peter Parker in the TARDIS would be fabulous. That would be hilarious. (laughs) Um, Yeah. MJ. But with MJ, even when they're in a relationship, like there's a meekness. Yeah. And she's beautiful. And another example of a, a science guy who is fairly meek uh, is Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner, uh, in addition to being willing to hide among the poor uh, and help them instead of holding up on his own, doesn't really put himself forward in social situations. Uh, he's pretty quiet. He's perfectly happy to not, you know, be the center of attention. And I'm pretty sure that's also true of him before he becomes the Hulk. I also feel like we're focusing a lot on like science nerdy guys. And so I want to point out that another type of guy in fiction who is often allowed to be meek is the poet or the musical genius. Mm, yeah. I'm having a little trouble coming up with examples of that, but I could swear I read like a thousand stories of girls having crushes on the guy with the way with words that he doesn't actually say out loud and usually really fabulous hair. I, but that's- so August <laughs> Rush is one of my favorite movies and it's like this beautiful blend of time and space in New York City but it's two musicians from very different genre like classical music and like rock music awesome who encounter each other have sex have a kid like she gets pregnant he doesn't know and then like over a decade later re-encounter each other but he is very much like not the center of attention not the like one to like center himself but even even as like the lead singer of the band sure it's really beautiful and we would be remiss if we talked about modesty humbleness and meekness and did not talk about abnegation in from the divergent (laughs) series abnegation like the goal of that faction is basically to embody all of these things. And that's great. But we also see through the series, the ways that that doesn't work well, right? And we get different examples of how this can be taken wrong. Triss's dad is one of the best examples of abnegation, right? And he has chosen to be abnegation because he came from candor. But like he tries to lead with humbleness and he tries to like come up with solutions to problems that are not violent and he he does his best to be modest about like he doesn't have a lot of wealth so it's easy to be modest about not showing off well and then for's dad marcus is like the opposite right he's abusive to four before four escapes he like has this bravado of abnegation this bravado of meekness this bravado of humbleness i'm the most humble bravado of modesty yeah and then actually like what ends up happening is he thinks really highly of himself and he thinks he's the only one who can control or impose those values on other people and he does it to four in particular through violence and before that did it to his wife before she escaped so like when we're talking about these this is about your own self This is not about imposing this on other people and certainly not about imposing it violently on other people. Yeah. Don't do that. (laughs) And then as we dive into our readings, the first reading is from Proverbs chapter 25, verses 6 through 7. From a collection of wisdom in the Hebrew scriptures, this proverb on being humble is one of many passages referenced by Jesus throughout the Gospels. So. A theme for this is the idea of honor and shame, and that really has a huge impact biblically and in biblical times on being humble and what that what that can mean and what that doesn't mean. Sure. And my the example that came to mind was on the Great British Baking Show. Everyone's always concerned with like if they're going to have to leave, but when they do the like little asides and everybody's talking to the camera, like nobody is like, I think I might, maybe once or twice somebody has said it and they've been the star baker, but like, sure. for the most part, nobody's like, 
I think I maybe am going to be the star baker this time. Nobody will like puff themselves yeah. up that way. And they're not like, I have to be the star baker. Yeah. If I'm not the star baker, then what's even the point of being here? Yeah. 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 As we dive into the verses, unsurprisingly, we did the exact same verses. Why? Because there are only two verses in this passage. <laughs> because I think we did go in different directions. We, we did, but like decidedly the same two verses. It's not our fault, okay? <laughs> exactly. When I was looking at verse six, we read, Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great. And I was thinking about it connected to Battlestar Galactica, where the younger Adama, Lee Adama, not the, the like head Adama person. General, General Captain. Like he has different mother. roles at different points, but yeah, yeah, General Adama. But the younger one, Lee Adama, when he is like done with the military, which he never really wanted to get into in the first place, it seems like. Mm. And is he's going to try for a role in government. That's a place where like he's navigating the don't put yourself forward, don't try to be great, but like let other people see who you are for who you are. And that ends up working. And he ends up joining the government, which is yeah. kind of cool. Nice. Yeah, I read that verse and that whole do not put yourself forward in the king's presence. And I thought of a time when I was in uh, middle school and for gym class for a couple of days, we focused on self-defense. And uh, our vice principal actually came in to do th those days because he like had a belt in karate or something. I don't remember. <laughs> I had a gold belt, but that's just because I made it through a year. Yeah. And he showed us some useful things. But the very first day, we're in the, the wrestling room with all the mats. And he puts us in a group. And he says a couple of very basic things about safety. And then he asks for a volunteer. And my initial thought, like right as he said this, was absolutely not. I am not that foolish. I did not say that out loud. I wasn't that foolish either. But... <laughs> Uh, there is no way that I was going to step forward to be a volunteer on the first day of self-defense class. The guy who did knew exactly what he was doing and had a sense of humor about it. <laughs> but there are some times when you really do want to have a little wisdom about putting yourself forward, uh, especially when it comes to being a volunteer. This also, now that I'm a little older, reminds me of a scene from the movie Starship Troopers when they are just starting their military training and a guy asks, uh, what is training with a knife good for when we have these super powerful guns? And the guy training him shows him that, you know, if you hit somebody in the hand with your knife, they're not going to be able to use their gun by hitting this guy in the hand with a knife. Huh. And so there are times when putting yourself forward is not the wisest thing to do. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I feel like that's a useful life lesson for everyone. I agree. I agree. Good life lessons. And then in verse seven, we read, for it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. What your eyes have seen. I think the, the last part seems to be starting something the, else. the weirdness of the ways that people delineated verses. Yeah. I think this is particularly interesting with Agent Carter. And I've mm -hmm. been watching through the what ifs in Marvel. They like did like, what if this were not the case? Which is how Chadwick Boseman slash Black Panther as a Star-Lord avoid the oh, whole nice. Infinity Stone problem through his humble leadership and meekness of like, hey, maybe destroying people, aka genocide, is not great. Good plan. Yeah. Sure. So the Agent Carter what if is switching that like she's the one that got injected with all of the power and not Steve. And so then it's hmm. like she doesn't wait to be told where to sit. Like she has been told enough times in her life that he does yeah. not deserve to be up here with the nobles. And then she's like, no, like y'all are not going to utilize me in this fight against evil. I'm just going to do it myself. And I think that there's sure. like a beautiful humbleness and like real clear understanding of the world and the government and all of those things that she exhibits. Yeah. Yeah. For verse seven, I don't know if I'm alone in this, but I keep getting these Facebook ads for these internet hosted novels that are usually based on either werewolves or vastly rich people, where the main character is poor and disliked and then almost immediately becomes powerful and rich for some reason. And then they get to like enjoy having more power than the people who tormented them for so long. Hmm. 
there are a ton of these they keep showing up on my facebook feed i don't know what that's about but like that is actually a trope that shows up a lot in fiction mm -hmm. of you start out poor and humiliated and then you get powerful and either enjoy revenge or just like the best revenge is living well yeah. that kind of thing and uh it shows up again and again so i am getting a little bored of the facebook ads but uh, i can acknowledge <laughs> that that is an ongoing thing in in fiction absolutely yeah and it like points to a wistfulness and a like the number of people who are like wow life sucks and I have no money and everything feels awful sure. and the rich are just like obscenely wealthy and then it's right. like what if everything switched that was actually part of the way that Dorothy Sayers uh, the author of several books about Christianity but also the author of the Lord Peter Whimsey uh, mystery novels she said at one point that every time that she like had trouble affording her rent check uh, she would give Peter a new car or a new fancy rug or mm. a new like first edition of fancy book that kind of thing and that was part of how she dealt with poverty so by the end of the series he was like obscenely obscenely wealthy oh no he he I mean he's Lord Peter Whimsey for a reason he started obscenely oh, okay. rich um but like she would just continue to show that off every time that she needed to feel better about things that's, so that's actually really like that sounds really cathartic it yes yeah the one, she enjoyed the it. one character you can control uh -huh, exactly yeah she could not control her own life that much but she could control peter's our second reading today is from hebrews chapter 13 verses 1 through 8 and 15 through 16 the author finishes their letter by giving instructions on how to live together in loving community, inspired and nurtured by the love of God shown to us in Jesus Christ. So one of the themes in this passage is like the idea of behavior codes, right? There's a lot of like, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. Some of which are harmful and some of which are great and some of which are like interpreted in particular ways to dismiss discount and oppress people and that's not what we want to do with the bible and god is pissed about that already so maybe don't keep angering god that just seems like a bad plan on the whole yeah so that's my disclaimer for <laughs> as you read the passage <laughs> but it also like reminded me of the westworld show and i am not caught up in it but have enough knowledge of it sure. to know that like AI are programmed and they all have like different codes for their behavior and what they do and programming of like if this then this but like there's a lot of like your main like how you behave are these sets of codes and it's different for each of the characters so some of the characters might have some of these characteristics that Hebrews described and others work at a saloon or a brothel and so have different characteristics yeah in verse one, we read, let mutual love continue. And I love this phrase, mutual love, and I don't feel like we use it often enough in the world yeah. because love that is shared and balanced is the best kind. Love that is unbalanced and and not shared it usually causes massive amounts of pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. And of course, it doesn't have to be romantic love and it doesn't have to mean that you're always like perfectly behaved together. One of my favorite examples is Sokka and Katara's love for each other as siblings. <laughs> yeah. uh, they may drive each other bonkers on the regular, yes. but they also always, always, always care about each other. Yeah. And that goes both ways. Yeah, that's beautiful. I do think there's like a let mutual love. Yes. We should talk about mutual love more often. Yeah, it is. It's a beautiful thing. In verse two, we read, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. And this is a clear reference to Abraham and Sarah providing hospitality to the strangers who are actually angels. And usually I love sure. this verse, but my immediate thought, and it might be because I am getting so into horror because of <laughs> a co-host for Horror Nerds at Church. But this seems like a really bad idea. Like, hello, stranger. <laughs> Please come into my home. Let me welcome you in. A, if they're a vampire. We've been talking about vampires for a long right? time. Yeah. <laughs> if they're a vampire, do not invite them in. Like, open the door and see if they, like, come in without an invitation. But also, like, there are so many others that you could invite in that would be really scary. I feel like that's the start of most serial killer movies. Right? But also, in movies like The Night, K-N-I-G-H-T, Before Christmas, which is a hmm. ridiculously cheesy 
Netflix Christmas movie. Kindness and hospitality to strangers is proven as a good thing. Like, there is this blessing that comes from the old crow when he is kind to her, and then the main character is kind to the knight, and we all see how that develops. So there's, like, a whole, yeah, there's a whole thing in that. Yeah. And then in verse 3, we read, Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them those who are being tortured as though you yourselves were being tortured. So as I was looking at this one, I once again was reminded of Battlestar Galactica and the ways that actually like in Battlestar Galactica and in large part because it's like military, we're in a time of war, all things are tossed out the window except for military rule for so much of it that like, being in prison and being tortured were pretty synonymous, especially if you were a Cylon who had gotten caught. And that, yeah. So it's like, hmm, that's, Yikes. yeah, that's rough. That's yeah. Going. And then in verse five, we read, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So maybe that means that God doesn't actually want us to be rich after all. Huh, Joel Austin? Hmm. I just couldn't help but be reminded of the story of King Midas, who could not be content with anything, and when given the gift of everything he touched turned to gold, managed to kill his uh, beloved child by turning her into gold. And that, you know, that story may not be in the Bible, but I feel like the Bible would, like, want to go have a beer with that story. Yeah. <laughs> I think that... Like, that, that seems like a, a story that the Bible would like. Yeah. The Wish Dragon, which is a delightful animated movie on Disney plus is a great like there's there's one point where somebody does say like everything this hand touches turns to gold or whatever yeah but the the larger story also has this like wish dragon who is learning lessons about what is valuable and what is sure. not in really cool ways and I hadn't thought of that until you were talking about King Midas mm-hmm. and then our gospel reading for this episode is Luke chapter 14 verse 1 and verses 7 through 14 first one just kind of gives the context for verses 7 through 14. At a Sabbath meal, Jesus uses parables to encourage guests to show humility rather than ambition, and to put more effort towards those who are in need of hospitality or a meal than to those who would be able to return the favor. So one of the themes in this passage is the idea of politicking, right? Jesus is talking about you want to set yourself up for success. Don't put yourself too high. Otherwise, people will bring you down. But if you put yourself low, then people are like going to bring you up. And sure. there are a lot of complicated ways to navigate this. But I think in The Expanse, Christian Avasarala is one of the people that like is pretty complicated and like navigating this. But particularly when she loses the election for Secretary General of the UN to Nancy Gao, who had been her employee, and then she's working for Nancy. And so navigating how to be a good employee instead of being the boss the way she was, but also sticking to the principles that she has developed and what she knows is right and when she knows there's danger and those sorts of things. Yeah, that makes sense. In verse 7, we read, when Jesus noticed how the guest shows the places of honor, he told them a parable. Okay, so I want to be clear. I do actually like this parable. It's a good one. And it it illustrates several issues that we do face in real life on a surprisingly regular basis. But also, Jesus, I just RSVP'd to a cousin's wedding. <laughs> and it occurs to me that Jesus would make a terrible wedding guest. <laughs> like, imagine what would actually happen if a guest showed up and started telling everyone a parable about what their behavior meant and why it was wrong. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if you ran out of wine, at least he'd, like, help out there. I... <laughs> we didn't have alcohol at my wedding, so I guess I'm unfair about that. Yes. But I suppose he, he could have made sparkling grape juice. Yeah. But I think you could actually make a parable about that type of guest, about the type of guest who shows up and starts telling everyone why they're wrong. <laughs> and now I kind of want that parable. And also, and I'm allowed to say this because it's not something that's actually in the Bible. I want that parable to be acted out by Muppets with Ooh. the human guest played by Benedict Cumberbatch, because I think he would have a fabulous time. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. 
the parable of why you shouldn't show up at a party and tell everyone why they're wrong because that's a terrible idea don't the do that terrible of not being only jesus can pull this off it's true it's true <laughs> that's fantastic so in verse nine as jesus tells the parable jesus says and the host who invited both of you may come and say to you give this person your place and then in disgrace you would start to take the lowest place and this like dynamic reminded me of uh, Gilmore Girls episode where Rory is taking over the whole DAR, Daughters of the American Revolution, like big dinner fundraiser thing. Sure. And it's when she is in her like break from Yale because Mitchum Huntsberger was horrible to her and she wasn't ready for it and didn't know how to handle it and so stole a yacht. Listen, we all have bad days. <laughs> no, that was actually a bad decision, but also. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's the episode where like her grandparents find out exactly what Mitchum Huntsberger did. And the Huntsbergers hadn't RSVP'd, but came anyway. And so Rory was mad at them. And so just like put them at the slush table, the low table where like people who hadn't RSVP'd go. RSVP'd. They're the what? Huntsbergers. And so Emily, Rory's grandmother goes to fix the situation to bring them up because that is what you do but in the process she takes shira huntsberger the the wife of mitchum huntsberger mm -hmm. by the arm and has some words for her about who is who and who has power and who is proper and like just goes at her both in defense of rory but then also for like the relationship that Shira has with Mitchum and the and like just goes on the attack and is yeah. out for blood and it's like okay you're like lifting her up to this other place and also tearing her down yes that scene is one of the reasons I love Emily so much in that in that series yeah. I'm not usually that big of a fan of the later seasons but that particular bit was just fabulous <sighs> and also like exactly the kind of older woman i want to become one day <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic yeah i i'd be down for like you being in my grandkids life in that way like <laughs> yeah i'd know that they were like safe and protected yeah th i mean my grandmothers were very different people one of them would have been the as you said out for blood type and the other one was usually very gentle and kind about things but like every so often yeah the knives came out and <laughs> yeah i i very much appreciated that about both of them yeah so. and then in verse 11 we read for all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted except in pose because Pose is all about exalting, but also like it's yes. from people who are pushed down and pushed out in the like every day of life. And at first, the House of Evangelista yeah. is the same, right? She's like, no, I'm going to strike out on my own because I can't handle it anymore in this house. And at first they lose and they like don't do particularly well but then it grows the house of evangelista grows and owns its power and like just takes on the world in the ballroom sure. and also then like has all of this stuff that happens in their lives that's just glorious yeah yeah it sounds like an example of exalting yourself doesn't have to mean being a jerk about it exactly yeah and then in verse 13 we read, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the disabled, those who can't walk, and the blind. Mm -hmm. Now, when you hear this verse in church, it may be worded a little differently, or they may have reworded it. Who knows? Uh, we chose to reword it a bit for this episode. But the concept is basically the same. And I feel like there was just a controversy, like maybe a month ago or so, about the Love is Blind TV show, which, to be entirely honest, I don't watch, but I have heard about the basic concept. I may have seen a couple episodes. Yeah, I, I think it sounds fun. I'm just not really watching a lot of TV right now. But basically the concept is that you get to know people in a sort of dating scene, but without being able to see each other. And then after you've developed a relationship, you get to see each other for the first time. And I love the concept. It sounds great. But also like the controversy was that there's almost no body diversity in it. There are no disabled people. There are no even like unusually heavy people. It, yeah, everybody is is like straight sized or thin and yeah that destroys the whole concept of the show 
And if the whole premise of the show is that you get to know someone without knowing what they look like, why wouldn't there be people who can't walk? Why wouldn't there be an actually blind person on Love is Blind? That seems remarkably apt, you know? Agreed. Yeah. And it's complicated, right? Because then, like... Yeah, not as tokenism. I think if they had done that, there would have been a lot of harm to any of the people who were not straight sized, who were not thin, who were not able-bodied. Like, there's so much that, like, yeah. there would be accusations of catfishing and that sort of thing. And I think that connects, though, really well with what Jesus is talking about, right? When you give a banquet, it's invite the poor, the disabled, those who can't walk, the blind. There's a way in which the like societal expectations of accessibility that we are terrible at <laughs> today, but also yeah. like some of us are like, I mean, I'm less terrible than we used good to be. at progress, um, but, yeah. just we're not on people's radar. And so whenever we think of like, whenever we talk about healing stories and that sort of thing, we talk about this, that like, like the community and the structures were not such that you can make stuff more accessible and so healing was part of like restoring community. And I think about this and like the ways that community could be created and cultivated when it's not just like the exclusive social club, which actually a lot of churches like end up in, right? But it is how are we in relationship with, how are we sharing yeah. our feasts with those who don't have the money for their feasts, those who get left out, those for whom buildings and other places are not accessible. Like right. that's the focus, not just because they can't pay back because right. they can't pay back because of the way society is set up to cause them harm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I've seen a few episodes of love is blind, not because I chose to watch them on my own. <laughs> but if you did, that would be okay. Yes. But that was not what happened. Okay. And now it's time for our newest segment of the podcast. Let's make a Muppets musical where we cast our Bible passages with Muppets uh, and the occasional token human guest. Mm -hmm. So my first thought when I looked at these readings uh, was that I think Miss Piggy as the banquet hostess would actually be a lot of fun because of course Kermit would sit himself mm -hmm. in the lowest place. And of course she would go all out to invite him to come sit by her. It's instead. true. It's uh, she would be delighted and also like yelling at people uh, who got too haughty and hoity-toity about themselves would you know just be a fabulous time for her as well so <laughs> it's true and I think your idea of Benedict Cumberbatch as a wedding guest would actually be a beautiful one for the one who sits at the high end of things like I yes could be, like, like <laughs> I'm so important and then Miss Piggy is like excuse me that seat is reserved for Kermie <laughs> How dare you? Yes. But then also, as I like looked at the Bible passages as a whole, I was just sort of generally reminded of Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, which is a, a lovely time. And oh, I definitely grew up with this. My dad loves it. It's a Christmas special and it's largely populated, although I don't think entirely populated by otters. And they're, they're very humble. They don't have a lot of money, but they get together as a big family for Christmas. Um, and they also have a jug band, uh, Appalachian style music band. And uh, it is a, a very sweet and wholesome Christmas special. Well, as you were saying that, I was thinking about like, who would be kind of the embodiment of humbleness and in the Muppets Christmas Carol, Bob Cratchit played by Kermit and Mrs. Cratchit, played by Miss Piggy, and their kids, all of whom embody either the gender of pig or the gender of frog. <laughs> like, listen, some days you're the pig and some days you're the frog. There's no it's getting true, around it. It's true. I, I have no idea what that actually means, but like, interpret for yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But that is a great example of like humbleness. And it's, it's humbleness also to the point of like, it's really hard because of the poverty like there's sure. forced humbleness which is humility in not the great sense yeah. but there's also this like recognition of what is important that i think is really beautiful in yeah their family dynamic and also the costumes are fabulous it's true they are and remarkably accurate <laughs> to the time period wonderful good uh, to know there's a whole youtube video but i am not I surprised I, I don't know if you have or not but if 
It, it did actually come up once. At least okay, once. well, if you have the YouTube video, we can include it in the episode description. Oh, sure. Um, I'll find it folks, because I don't remember it. And so that just gives other people another opportunity. Sure. Anyway, thanks for joining us. Catch us next time when we'll discuss nerdery connections to the scripture readings for the 13th Sunday after Pentecost. This podcast has been produced by us, Emily Ewing and Kay Roloff. For more fun, check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Nerds at Church or contact us at nerdsatchurch at gmail.com. Also, if you like what you've heard, rate us or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Facebook, or wherever you catch your podcasts. If you want access to our uncut guest episodes and interviews, live Q&As, and more, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdsatchurch. Also, we're getting ready for our next live Q&A, so if you want to up your Patreon contribution or join at the $10 a month level, you'll get access to our live Q&A. Absolutely. And remember, it's still cheaper than buying yourself a Blu-ray copy of Emmett Otter's Drug Band Christmas. <laughs> Although that is a worthy way to spend your money. Yeah. Too, but still. Also, let us know on Facebook or Twitter who you would cast for Let's Make a Muppets Musical for this episode. As the ancient Christian said, Pax Phobiscum. <laughs> <laughs>